Welcome to the Road Safety Podcast, the podcast that keeps driving for work and how to manage risks in the mind of people and business across Scotland. Our conversations will help you understand where driving for work sits within the safe system approach. We all have a part to play in keeping ourselves and each other safe on the roads. This podcast is brought to you by your host, Dr. Karen McDonnell. As Occupational Health and Safety Policy Advisor at ROSPA, I am responsible for the delivery of the work of the Scottish Occupational Road Safety Alliance. Today we're going to be discussing an overview of the importance of managing occupational road risk as you would any other risk to your organisation. Episode 3 focused on the importance of doing, and today we're exploring what organisations need to check to ensure the risks are being managed. So to discuss this, I'm joined by Roger Bibbings, MBE, Partnership Consultant, ROSPA. Roger was ROSPA's Occupational Safety Advisor for nearly 20 years, retiring from the role in 2014. Prior to this, he was for 17 years Health and Safety Advisor at the Trades Union Congress, where he worked closely with the Health and Safety Commission and Executive, and also with the European Commission. He is the originator of ROSPA's work on the management of occupational road risk and perfectly placed to help you understand the concept and step towards managing the risk in your organisation. Roger, can you briefly explain what's meant by driving and riding for work? Driving and riding for work is where you are using a vehicle on the road um, as part of your job. Of course, your job may be actually driving, delivering goods, carrying passengers or whatever. The driving of the vehicle may be your main job. But for hundreds of thousands, millions of workers, they cannot do their job without actually driving a vehicle to get to a client or to deliver services or to get a meeting or whatever. Uh, So driving for work is that driving that people have to do to be able to do their job, their main job. And they tend to overlook the fact that actually driving for work, the riskiest part of their working day, they're far more likely to be killed or seriously injured when they're driving for work than when they're actually in a fixed workplace. And what's more important, they're far more likely to be causing harm to other people if they're involved in a preventable incident while they're driving for work. So driving for work is that driving or riding a motorcycle or even walking or cycling, which you have to do to be able to do your job. The risks involved need to be managed as part of mainstream health and safety. In fact, they're probably the biggest risk that most people face in the course of the working day. So so in terms of the checking process, what types of things should organisations be checking from licences through to vehicles and claims data? Where should they start and what kind of questions should they be asking themselves? Well, they need to check all the things to ensure that the driver is safe, the journey plan is safe and the vehicle is safe. We tend to focus very much on the driver, obviously, but before we go anywhere or do anything, we need to make sure that the journey plan is a safe journey plan. So that's a question of routings, timing, mileage, all those sorts of issues. But when we're checking on our drivers, we need to check, first of all, that they are licensed to drive, that they've actually got a driving license and that their experiences, that they haven't had major history of offences, they haven't got points on their license and so on. And particularly for young drivers coming into an organisation, this needs to be part of the induction, part of the HR process, if you like. It isn't about 
punishing drivers who've made mistakes in the past, who've committed offences. It's about helping drivers to become better drivers and to stay safe. For example, if they've got points in their licence and they risk getting further points, which means they're disqualified, that's a problem for the organisation. It's a problem for them. It may be a problem for them and their jobs. So this is all about, this is all about blame or punishing people. It's about helping people to make sure that they can be the safest drivers possible. So checking on people's licence status and their points and their penalties at the beginning is very important. Checking on their general health, checking to make sure that they're not likely to be impaired through fatigue because they've got not waking nights, looking after children or elderly relatives and so on. So checking on the individual is very important. And we can, of course, assess drivers, and the best possible perhaps is through in-vehicle in vehicle assessment with qualified assessors to get a snapshot, if you like, of the overall competence of our drivers before we send them, before we send them out on the road. And if people are at a learning uh, stage, they're either uh, young drivers who are nervous and need help and support, we need to recognise that. If they're older returners and we suddenly ask them to drive vehicles that they're not familiar with, we need to take account of that. So checking on the individual, checking on the individual driver, building up a picture of where they are and what their needs are is very, very important. And then, of course, getting in the vehicle, we need to do those daily vehicle checks, which people need to be familiar with, checking that making sure their tyres are properly inflated, making sure that the brake lights work, making sure that the vehicle is in a safe condition to be taken out on the road. So checking before you drive is very, very important. Then, of course, the other part of checking is gathering data when things have gone wrong, when there are incidents or things nearly go wrong. We can learn an awful lot from near misses, probably more from near misses than we can from crashes when people have been hurt. So training drivers, giving drivers advice about what to do when there are incidents and creating a real no-blame culture so that people are not inhibited from owning up to errors and mistakes. Because it's only by gathering experience on things that have nearly gone wrong that we can all learn and the whole organisation can be safer out there on the road. So so really you're, you're suggesting that it's a blend of proactive and reactive approaches to checking, you know, so that proactivity associated with checking licences and ensuring that people are entitled to drive the, the class or type of vehicle that they are driving for work. And then also recognising that enhancing people's driving skills is really a life skill, you know, because if it, would you agree that there's a, there's a potential that... The, the good driving habits you learn at work would migrate across into other parts of your life? Absolutely. I mean, we're talking here about people driving for work, but individuals were probably commuting to work as well. They're driving their leisure time. And the attitudes that people learn at work, they're much more likely to take away with them and remember them when they're not at work. And also, in the workplace, if we can change people's attitudes and understanding and their awareness of road safety, they're much more likely to become proud of their driving. They're much more likely to become ambassadors for better and safer driving with their family and friends and in the wider community. So if you want to create champions for better road safety, there's no better place to do it, I think, than doing it in the workplace and really encouraging people to take road safety seriously 
in the context of work to carry that message wider in the community. So in terms of um, the type of data that, that's collected and checked, should I say, we would encourage staff to report all road traffic offences with a view to providing help and support, you know, to stay within the speed limit, that that type of approach or the use of uh, an appropriate speed. In terms of how you create this openness of culture where line managers and supervisors, you know, develop the connection with, with drivers in an open and transparent way, how, how can you actually ensure that that is created by the line managers and supervisors? Well, I think, first of all, you have to say that the aim is not to blame, but it's to, to help people improve and stay safe. People will only believe that if it's done in an atmosphere of trust. So the first thing that any, any driver who, for example, may have been caught speeding when they're driving for work, the first thing to do is to get the driver to accept that they do need to change not to punish them. If you start to impose penalties for people being non-compliant at work, your flow of information will dry up. People won't be willing to be open and honest about where they've gone wrong. It's very hard to develop what is called a no-blame culture. I think the best thing to do is to try to develop a, a culture of fairness and trust around safety, particularly when it comes to road safety, and get people to accept that we all make mistakes. The person who the person who never made a mistake, never did anything. We all make mistakes. The important thing is that we be prepared to own up to them, be prepared to learn and to accept that we can do things which can help us be better drivers, to be more alert, more observant. I think the important thing for those who drive for work to remember is that the roads are a shared space. And uh, if we are driving for work, we've got to be cognizant of the fact that we are sharing with vulnerable road users and the hierarchy of responsibility that's um, embedded in the, the highway code is something that those who drive for work should be very aware of. The focus on checking and collecting data, for me, really allows line managers, supervisors to have a conversation with individual drivers. And as, as you mentioned earlier, it certainly isn't about a punitive approach. It's very much about having a conversation about why and learning from safety failure. I wondered if we could just have a moment to discuss post-incident response. I mean, we would obviously encourage organisations to uh, ask for claims data and safety-related information from vehicle providers on minor damage or cases of excessive braking tyre wear, you know, those types of data that can be collected straightforwardly and do link into how vehicles are being driven. In terms of a post-incident response, what should organisations be encouraging their drivers to do? Well, all drivers need to have a very clear understanding of what to do when there is a serious incident about the immediate things to do to stay safe at the scene and also how to call for help, who to contact in the organisation and also how to gather information at the scene which will help with everything that happens after the event, including, for example, if there are prosecutions or claims. But the important thing when investigating a work-related road incident isn't just to concentrate on what happened in the last five seconds before the collision, but what was happening in the last five minutes, five hours, five days, five weeks, five months even, before the event, which, had it been different, could have led to a different outcome. So the important thing, as we know all safety investigations, is to go far enough back and look for underlying causal factors. 
some of that information can be gathered from the driver, but a lot of it depends on the safety professional having a professional approach to investigation and keep asking why enough times to be able to develop a full picture of why somebody appeared to commit a fault or made an error which led to a crash. And also to think clearly about what things had not been taking place beforehand, which could have stopped the, the crash happening. So accidents need to be regarded as sort of windows on reality, if you like. You can't press the rewind button. You can't make the accident unhappen. But what you can do is unpick the accident fully as an event and use it as a resource, if you like, to help the organisation improve its safety performance in the future. I, th- I think that, you know, accidents as, as a window in reality is a really interesting way to envelop the checking process in that much wider context that's set by the road safety framework to 2030. I think businesses linked to scores are looking at their accidents as a, a window on reality checking their data, identifying, you know, that preceding moment in time uh, right the way back through to to planning journeys, to recruiting drivers and uh, ensuring people are fit to drive. All those elements certainly can contribute towards the improvement that the road safety framework to 2030 has set out to attain. And again, that continuous improvement and sharing lessons learned through SCORSA really can make a difference. My thanks to our guest, Roger Bibbings, and thank you for listening. Uh, Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on your usual podcast provider so you don't miss an episode. And we'd love it if you could leave a review. It really makes the podcast easier for others to find. I'm Karen McDonnell, and thank you for listening.